Well, I didn't say it, but I want to say it. I want to thank everybody for the uh, cards and uh, well wishes when I got pneumonia. So um, they, they were helpful, and uh, uh, I haven't had that in a while, about like that in a while. So get your flu shots. That's what I learned. Um, I know a gentleman who's a uh, commercial uh, airline pilot, and um, from time to time he he tells me stories of just things that happen when he's out flying. Um, bad weather and lightning strikes, um, planes that get too close or, uh, or runways that close down at the last minute, um, equipment failures. When I hear this stuff, I'm amazed. I cannot even picture doing that job, getting into a plane with all that responsibility and all that weight and, and having to be mindful you know, of crosswinds, lengths of runways, what the temperature is, icing on your wings, um, mechanical failures, being diverted to airports far away, lack of visibility, going into airports where the train is just awful and you just got to have to kind of maneuver your way in there. Day after day. Not for me, because I can tell you <laughs> the first minute something went wrong, I would be like a little schoolgirl school on, on that radio crying, get me out of here. I don't know how he can do that must be nerves of steel. And yet he would tell you it's not nerves of steel at all. In fact, he would say that there are plenty of people who have nerves of steel and crash planes all the time. It's not their nerves of steel. He would say, quite frankly, it is their ability to monitor their approaches. That makes sense. The ability to pay attention. The ability to make the important things important. But the question I have with that is, but what about those guys who crashed their planes? Who who knew what was important and made it important for a while, but then stopped making it important. I mean, think about yourself. Think about maybe a job interview you went on and you were really, really excited and you wanted the job and the benefits were good and the pay was good and overall they treated their people good and you were excited to get it. And after you got it, all you wanted to do is get out and go somewhere else. What happens in the in-between? Well, what happens uh, to, to the young person who, who's going for a license? And, and you know, they're, they've read the manual and they're sharp and they get in with the, instru the instructor and, boy, they've got their hands at, 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 at 10 and 2. And, I mean, they are, they are the epitome of a driver. And then a few months later, they're, they're driving and texting and doing their makeup or whatever. What happened? Because at one moment, they knew what was important. And at the other moment, 
it didn't seem to be important anymore. What happens when we fall in love with somebody and we can't think of anyone else that we want to spend the rest of our lives with, anyone else that we want to spend our time with, we go into a marriage excited thinking we're going to spend all of our time finally together. And then after a while, you just want to be left alone. What happens in the middle of that? This morning, we're going to engage in a new series that I call Monitoring Your Approach. Because I firmly believe how we approach things makes all the difference in the world how we approach relationships, how we approach temptations, how we approach money, how we approach failure, how we approach God. It matters. One of the biggest problems people have is in this area of monitoring their approaches. And so what happens is somehow what used to be important doesn't seem to be important anymore. Somehow they stop monitoring. And it makes all the difference in the world. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5 that, that we are to make the best of every opportunity because the days that we live in are evil. And what he is saying is simply that, that we are to be mindful and monitoring of all the opportunities because they're, de- they're, they're there. And yet if we don't take advantage of them, then we're just left in living in evil days. Um, this morning we're going to begin from the ground up. Um, we're going to look at the words of a of a man who is probably one of the wiser men of the Bible. Um, The interesting thing is he doesn't have a name. He is one of the major contributors theologically to the scriptures. But we don't know who this gentleman is. We don't know this writer who wrote this book. And yet, he's wise because... He has the ability to monitor everything. He has the ability to monitor the past and the present and the future and bring them all together and show how they connect. The writer is the writer of the book of Hebrews. Um, And while we don't know who he is, his contribution has been a powerful one because what he has done and what he did particularly for the Hebrew people of his day who were coming to Christ was to show them how everything that God had done in the past had now brought them to a greater future in Christ Jesus. He shows them in his writings how in all the great things that God had done, 
they've all been culminated in the person of Christ. That now, the covenant that we have in Christ far surpasses the Old Testament, or, or the Old Covenant. That all of the miracles and the wonders and the pictures of divinity that we saw have now been superseded in the fullness of Christ. He writes to primarily a Jewish audience who are beginning to get lost, who have heard the message of Christ and who have received it, and yet from that point to the point at where they're at, something's shifted. When people look at them, and particularly when fellow Jews look at them, they don't see any difference. Jew, Christian, doesn't seem to matter. And so the writer of Hebrews writes to help them get back to monitoring their approach to God. To help them see what got lost in importance in their lives. And that's what we're going to look at this morning and apply it to our own lives. Um, we're going to begin by looking at Hebrews chapter 2. He has just, in chapter 1, talked about how Jesus surpasses everything. That the covenant he made is, that the covenant God made in Christ is better, that he is more superior than the angels, that everything that is and will be, it, it is all in him. And so in chapter 2, he says this, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. He nails it. What happened to these Jews that had received Christ, but over time kind of slipped back into the way they did business, kind of slipped back into Judaism, kind of slipped back into that way of thinking, even though they would say, oh yeah, we're, we're followers of Christ, we're believers in Christ. What happened to them? It's the same thing that, that happens to us. In every part of our life when something is important, but over time, we live as if it's not important. What happens is, is simply this, we drift. Let me give you a definition for that. Drifting happens when we confuse knowing with doing. Drifting happens when we confuse knowing with doing. Because I know where I'm at, I don't have to pay attention to where I'm going. Or because I know where I'm going, I don't have to pay attention on how I get there. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gotten in the car thinking, going to the mall? I know how to get to the mall. And the next thing you know, you're five exits down the road. Because you thought, I know where I'm going, therefore I don't have to pay attention. Because I have a driver's license and I've done it for a while, I can do it with one hand in text now. Now, before I thought it was important for two hands, but nah. Because 
I know something, I begin to think that's good enough. That I confuse knowing and doing, and doing is supposed to come from what I know. Knowing equals responding. Think of it this way, and it happens in such a, a subtle way. I know something, and it's important, and I hold it as important. But then over time, I begin to take it for granted. Because I know that. And so because I know it, I begin to minimize its importance. And then I begin to not only minimize, but I begin to ignore it. And the next thing you know, I'm drifting. I get married, I fall in love, I say, this is the woman I'm going to spend my life with and, and I just, I, I want her to know every single day that she is loved. But then over time, she says to me, you don't love me. You don't care about me. And I'm thinking, what is she talking about? I love her. I know that. I wouldn't be here if I didn't love you. You know, you've all heard it. You know, I told you I loved you when I married you, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> but she knew it at one time, but now she's saying to me, uh-uh, something shifted here. And just because you know it in your head, it's not showing up in my life in the real world. Somehow, even when... It's of such great importance as the gospel. We can take what's important and then begin to just take it for granted because we know it. And then we minimize it. We take liberties with it. Then we start ignoring it. And then we drift and... We don't know how we got where we are and we're not sure how to get back. I have people sometimes who come to me and they, and they say, you know, I'm living this life of sin and, and I want to get out, but I, I don't know how to get out and I just don't, I don't know, I just don't seem to have any motivation. Yet they've drifted so far that, that they've lost all sense of of direction. Problem with drifting is drifting leads to drowning. You can only drift so long and so far and you begin to take on water. Let's go back to the text. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedient received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? 
This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. I mean, what the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, this salvation we have is the most important. It is the greatest thing we have. It was, it was given to us. It was confirmed by the Lord. It was announced, confirmed by angels and announced by the Lord. And if those under the old covenant drowned because they drifted, how much more, how much faster, how much more severe for us if we fail to pay attention? If we start thinking that knowing is enough and responding is optional, Apathy is one of the greatest killers of the church today. I know, I know, I believe Jesus got check, 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 check. Just don't have a lot of time right now. Yeah, I know I care, but I got my own deal. I know that God wants to use me, but not now. Yeah, I know I should read the Bible. And, and I'm going to, and, and I want to memorize verses, and I want to, but somehow we, as much as we say it's important, minimize, take it for granted. And that drifting, sooner or later, leads to drowning. Listen to what um, the writer of Hebrews says. In another chapter, chapter 3, So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. And they have not known my ways. It's interesting, if we don't take what we know and engage in it, and do it, participate, we will begin to drift, and after a while, we'll lose even what we know, and go even more and more astray. He says, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. Because they've gone so far, they've twisted it so much, it's not the gospel. It's, it's not God's perfect will for them. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now that's, that's an interesting statement because it's a declarative, it's a consequence, but it's declaring what they've brought about. If we don't pay attention, if we don't hold important what's important, we will drift, and guess what? There'll be no peace, there'll be no rest, and there'll just be consequences. Now, that might sound hard, 
Because we have this mentality. Love Jesus, got the bumper sticker, go to church, listen to Christian music. I'm good. Do you really think that's what Christ saved you for? Bumper stickers and CDs? He did something extraordinary in your life to make you extraordinary in your life. He gave you this great salvation so that you might head in his direction and you might grow and become and mature. Not so that you could say, got it, understand it, went to the retreat, I'm good. And then start drifting away. And and the interesting thing is this. If we who know and have been given this great salvation do it with that, how much more will we do it with everything? If I allow my spiritual life to drift to the point of drowning, what chance does my marriage have? What chance does my career have? What chance does my mental and physical health have? I'm telling you, I have seen this over and over and over and over again. People who drift and they minimize and even begin to ignore what God wants because it's not quite what they want. And they just keep moving and after a while they don't know what they want and they get frustrated and angry and so they start blaming everyone around them and they break their relationships and they stop taking care of themselves. And I'm telling you, it just goes down a rat hole. If we pay careful attention, if we keep what's important important, God won't allow any of that to happen. It can't happen. How can I not love my spouse if I'm staying connected to God? I know you're saying, but you don't know my spouse. My spouse is crazy. Uh, My spouse is selfish. Uh, My spouse just has all sorts of family issues and I get dragged into them. My spouse has a temper. My spouse is irritable. Um, My spouse is cold. So? Is that what Christ saved you for? Your spouse? I don't think so. He saved you for this great salvation that saves everything. That takes the hard stuff and makes love possible. I tell people all the time, you can be a wonderful spouse even if your spouse hates you. And I've met people like that. For whatever reason, they're selfish at what... They never give their spouse a break. And yet that spouse can still know before God, today I was successful at what I did. And it's not about 
me. It's about you. And see, that's our problem. We think salvation is about God opening the doors to give me everything I want. And it's God opening the doors to let me have him. And to understand that everything else doesn't matter. It's all passing. And if I don't realize that, I will drift. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving hearts that turn away from the living God. Now go back a couple of verses. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What's a hard heart? Overexposure under response to the truth. How do we get back to a tender heart? We equal our response to our exposure. How do we do that? We pay attention. We keep first things first. And it happens, and it will happen. When I, um, when I got hired by the police department, um, I probably would have to say I wasn't the most astute person in the world. I mean, I knew what was going on around me. Um, but I just saw what I saw. And I never forget when I get um, hooked up with uh, my field training officer. And um, this guy drove like a maniac. I mean, it was just incredible. Um, and we'd be going down Main Street, and, and, uh, and I'd be sitting there just kind of, you know, I'm not a good passenger. Uh, stomach gets queasy, so, you know, I'm just trying to. And, and we'd be going down the Main Street, and he'd be saying to me, Kid back there, what color were his shoelaces? Like, what? He goes, what color were his shoelaces? I don't know. We keep driving, and uh, he would say, uh, car that just passed us, when was this inspection expe- due? Ask him. I, uh, you know, he's just one after. And, uh, and finally, he pulled over and said, you got to start paying attention. To What? To everything going on around you. Yet when we go down the road, I expect you to know that kid. I expect you to at least make note of, hmm, those shoelaces seem weird. I expect you to see uh, that broken down car. I expect you to catch that inspection sticker going by while you're looking at the plate for the registration while you're tr- trying to figure out whether that kid in the hoodie driving the new BMW seems to match. You want to know what? Over time, I was catching it all. Catching it all. Because I knew this matters, this is important, this is my job. I got to pay attention. And then there was a period of time I started missing stuff. Big stuff. How big, you say? 
going down Canal Street in Nashua, following a truck of a guy who was moving. And it took me five minutes to kind of... That plant blowing in the wind doesn't look like anything I've seen before. <laughs> I pull him over and... Sure, but I'm thinking... I was behind that guy for five minutes. I remember one late night, you know, working all sorts of shifts in court and you're just trying to hold on and I'm following this vehicle and I, I don't even, I just kind of all of a sudden wake up to the fact that he's like, and I remember that period going back thinking, what the heck is going on with me? And I realize you're not paying attention. You're not making what's important important. You got your head somewhere else. And you're missing everything. See, you can have it. And you can grow in it and you can get good in it. And you can experience and see the power of God working around you and through you. But God won't do it for you. And I want you to underline that in your heads. God will not do it for you. You have a responsibility in this thing. You have a responsibility to know and to do. Let me close with this. Three things just to take with you. Uh, Number one, check what you believe. If you don't know what you believe and if you don't believe what you believe, yeah, you're going to drift all over the place. Number two, pay attention to what you've heard. If I believe it, then am I coming to know and master it? Why do we memorize verses? Because it helps me to know what I know so I can do what I need to do. And number three, um, respond to what you know. And it's just that simple. And if you do that, you're not going to drift. I've never met anyone who kept their eyes on Jesus. The author, the perfecter, the finisher of their faith. As a writer of Hebrews even says their anchor and ever drifted and yet I can tell you this I've met pastors who have had affairs and they they never say to me one day I was studying the scripture and this beautiful woman came in and ravaged me what I hear is yeah over time I I just stopped reading the Bible. I just, my head was somewhere else. I just stopped praying. I just stopped caring. And it it didn't seem to matter anymore and God seemed irrelevant. And I just, I want to feel good. And the next thing I knew, I wiped out my ministry. I wiped out my marriage. And you can apply that to anything. Keep what's important, important. 
and you won't drift. You won't drown. You will live and recognize this great salvation that God has given you. Let's pray.